greater your self-kindness, the yeah. more available you are to others. I believe every person deserves kindness in their lives. I believe kindness has the power to change us from the inside out, to change the world beginning with you and me. And that's why I wanted to create a show called Self-Kindness, Self-Kindness with Pete. It's about figuring out how kindness towards ourselves can be our superpower, how kindness is more than just a reward at the end of the day. It's about living clear lives, focused lives, motivated by loving concern, rather than motivated by fear and anxiety. It's about how we make that change. How does self-kindness show up the moment we need it the most? You are so worthy of the kindness that's already in you. And each week, we'll be exploring how to do that with people who are leading this kindness awakening in their own lives. My name is Pete Sibley, and I'm so grateful you're here. Hello, and welcome to another Self-Kindness with Pete. I'm really grateful that you are tuning in and... Today in particular, I invite you to see if you can listen to today's episode uh, with an open heart and with an open mind, and maybe less so of something in the background, but something that that you really take to heart, you know, even though it was this particular recording was made prior to the protests and prior to some really deep and long needed conversation on black lives on people of color and the inequities um, inflicted for hundreds of years uh, in this country, I still feel the information in here is relevant of and even maybe more so to take to heart of how we can move forward as a white male middle-class citizen in America I think it's vital that a practice of being able to take a look at what is inside, where violence, where prejudice lives inside of me is, is essential. Uh, you know, and even all of this coming at the, a time of a pandemic where everything feels like it has just come unraveled that, uh, inner practice of self-kindness allows that unraveling to be witnessed as something that is is not scary but is actually something that grows me is not something to turn from but actually is something that allowing it to unravel opens it it opens and and to witness how it's safe to allow something to unravel And in that unraveling and in that self-reflection, I get to witness how I treat the small things in my life and how I treat the small things inside of me, how I treat the small conversations, maybe the insignificant conversations in my family. That's everything. That's how I look to the world. That's how I pass on this from generation to generation treating the small things, everything, as as worthy of kindness, as worthy of love beginning inside of me and doing what it takes to be my best self. 
for those around me and doing this inner work which literally helps to rework our synapses so we can create new possibilities and be open to a conversation about my part in racist America. How have I supported that? How have I been complacent? And doing that inner work, it allows me to move it from being this frontal lobe, intellectual understanding of what needs to happen into my heart and a somatic and an experience knowing of of what needs to happen beginning with my life beginning with my children beginning with my family my community and on and on and on so i'm excited for the gift that my two dear friends gave in having this conversation with me a few weeks ago aaron nightum is an educator uh, lives in jackson hole wyoming and is a dear friend of mine um, kenny haddon is also an educator and now lives in bend oregon a dear friend of mine and both are outdoor enthusiasts they're both dads and uh, have just beautiful families and beautiful ways of seeing the world and like all of us they are open to the deep conversation of how do we continue to grow our ability to live from a heart-centered place and i think that is the essence of why i feel this conversation is vital um, in this moment in time to answer that essential question how do we move forward and not miss this opportunity i believe we do it by coming from from a place of love so let's jump into the conversation with my two dear friends kenny haddon and aaron nightum today kenny and aaron i'm hoping that you know we just have a conversation like we've been having over over the past couple of months just about what is it like to navigate you know just in life in general with with what we're calling a self-kindness practice so i'm so glad to have you two two of my most favorite human beings first off um love love you both so much <laughs> real glad to be here yeah this is um, great. you know i want everybody to get to know you guys a little bit the way that i i know you so either one of you start off i would love to hear just a little bit about about you and you know where you find yourself today and a little bit about maybe why why you said yes when I started asking you about a self-kindness practice. Uh, yeah, my name's Kenny. Uh, I, um, I'm 30, 30, 38 years old now. Uh, I'm a father of two boys, five and seven. Um, I'm married. And um, yeah, I've been a, an educator most of my career. I, I studied philosophy in college and, uh, and then became a teacher in private schools, independent schools. Um, now several different schools I've worked in. Um, also a musician, lifelong musician, and that's uh, most of the time been a hobby, but I did spend about five years uh, working as a musician, primarily at a church. I had a full-time job at a church and then also uh, stuff on the side. So music has always been a part of my life. And um, yeah, just uh, always have enjoyed 
just considering the, the big questions in life and, and uh, trying to think of how I can do the most good for the most people with uh, the time I've got here. So mm-hmm. um, these types of conversations for me are really uh, life-giving, very um, important. And uh, it's always hard, you know, you, you become very busy when you become a parent of young children and uh, career and mortgage and all of, you know, all that stuff kind of adds up. And so setting aside time to do this type of practice um, and having a, a guide like you, Pete, is, uh, is wonderful. Yeah. Well, I think you just hit on all the major ones there, like relationships, finances, and life purpose. So <laughs> you got it. Awesome, Kenny. Oh, man. Aaron, um, tell us a little bit about you, your background, and why why you have volunteered <laughs> to say <laughs> yes to self-kindness with, with, with me. Okay. Where do I begin? Um, Hello, everybody. I'm Aaron Knightum. I'm 44 years old, and um, I've been an educator uh, for the last 20-some years and in various formats, and right now I teach educators, and as well as I'm a husband um, of a beautiful wife and uh, three great kids um, for the most part. And so why am I here? How did I get into this? I think... Um, I just have a tremendous amount of gratitude for, for Pete and his work in about two years ago through connection, I believe through Kenny, um, I was pointed in your direction and um, it came at a time where there was a, a convergence of a lot of emotion, of anxiety, frustration, um, self-doubt and um, yeah, and the tools you gave me, Pete, um, have helped me manage a lot of those emotions since and so for me i'm here 100 percent because of you and because i believe in the work you're doing so mm-hmm. well thanks so much aaron i, I love that <laughs> that that a conversation has has you know kind of helped and served i i keep throwing around self-kindness how would you define self-kindness like what does that mean um i think Actually, something that you said kind of resonated with me a few days ago and uh, I've been bouncing around in my head, and which was that you, you're a cherished, sacred friend to your, you think of yourself that way. And I, for me, that, that really is helpful because then I think about sort of my self-talk. You know, how do I, how do I talk to myself about who I am and what I've done? Um, what I said in the last conversation that I'm mulling over or what I plan to say in the next interview that I have, or, you know. Um, and I think the reality is I don't, I don't talk to myself like a cherished friend. I think, you know, when you listen to a friend who's having a hard time, you're, you have compassion for them. You look for it to, to, you look at it from their side and you, you, you build them up, you know? Mm. And, uh, and I don't, I don't do that. I don't listen to my, myself talk that way. And I don't talk to myself that way. Um, and it's that, that, that was a revelation to me. It sounds obvious as I say it, but um, I realized that no, actually what I do a fair amount is beat myself up, uh, question all my intuitions. Um, you know, and I think there's, 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 there's a place for that, you know, but uh, I think I, I'm, if I, if I was out of balance one way, I definitely think I beat myself up a little bit too much and I don't know that it helps me 
Mm. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't prepare me for that interview. It doesn't help me to feel peace about that last conversation that uh, that is hard that I'm, I'm thinking about, you know? Yeah. So, so I think self-kindness is, is, uh, is something that it, it just, it can enable you to have more peace about what is, what has happened, what will come um, and allow you to be present in those moments and actually bring more of yourself to it, be more open, more genuine. Mm. Um, so that's, Wait. that's kind of where I come at it from. Yeah. You know, and, and we've had this conversation, the three of us, like maybe just talk a little bit about that. Can you a little more like how, like seeing yourself as a cherished sacred friend in that self-kindness, how's that different than like maybe where we started a bunch of week ago, weeks ago with, self-kindness as like is it just you know letting yourself have a beer at the end of the day or or a nice shower because like I've really put in you know a big day and Aaron you can chime in too but like you know it's almost like a self-reward uh is how I think a lot of us think of self-kindness until we really contemplate a little bit we're like is that all it is can it be more than that yeah, I if I could jump in here, I I think the last couple months working with you, Pete, have really been a paradigm shift in that that I need to think about self kindness completely in a completely different way, and that is, what does it take for me to be my best self for others? You know, so there is this selflessness piece to it. So, you know, like. It's you're treating yourself in such a way that you would treat your best friend. And that par- that paradigm shift that I think Kenny is talking about, because sometimes we're, we're very, we get down on ourselves or we do this, we, we beat ourselves up over and over and over. And self-kindness is just trying to say, okay, we're going to push that away just for now. And I'm going to go for a bike ride. I'm going to go watch a movie. I'm going to drink a beer. I'm just going to put aside all that other stuff and just – be kind to myself. Like you always say, eat some chocolate, right? And But self-kindness is not that. It's actually engaging. Well, it is that. I'll just say. And it is this idea of taking those on, noticing those, and being able to work with those like through, through the work or through just simply that noticing so that you can allow your best self to show up. You know, it's like getting doing the work to allow your best self to show up. And in doing so, then you you give to the people you're around, you know, in such a better way, whether it's your parents, your kids, your wife. Um, and so I don't know, Kenny, I, I, I send it back to you, but like that paradigm shift for me has been huge. It's like it's not just setting aside a bike ride every other day. It's something more than that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's there's self-care and that's important and that actually is, is related and has been a challenge for me. And so this has helped me to look at that in a new way. So, yeah, I need I need exercise or, you know, I, I take pleasure in certain things and I think it's OK to 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 enjoy those. And that that's the sort of self-care, um, physical care uh, that I would I would call self-care. But I think uh there's also, you know, you can, uh, there's excess of that, which, which would be called indulgence, you know, or selfishness. Mm. Um, but then there's also on the, on the emotional spectrum, 
um, self-kindness really is different than self-care. And self-kindness, I don't think there is an excess of self-kindness. There's mm. the, the greater your self-kindness, the yeah. more available you are to others. Yeah. And so it doesn't, you can't, you don't overdo that. You're not being selfish in, in being kind to yourself. Um, you're, you're, you're really improving who you are and what you bring. Wow. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, you, 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 you differentiated self-care from self-kindness and I'm interested in that. Like what's the difference between care and kindness? If I were to think of it like kindness of others or care of others. And then I think mm. of like kindness, you know, I, I do think there's certain things that I need to do to take care of my body, to take care of myself. Yet kindness kind of takes it up a level. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, and, I, and I love that we're kind of landing on that as our definition of self-kindness of, you know, the way, the kind, the way that we're treating and talking to ourselves. Um, because again, that came out of just recently doing this three day self-kindness challenge. And, you know, I told the story about how, how would another child, you know, a young child on a playground, how would another young child on a playground approach and treat a child that has just fallen down and skinned their knee? And, you know, you can just see the imagery of this child that that's just sitting there. That's just, you know, not trying to change it, not trying to overpower and say, no, you shouldn't be crying, just sitting there witnessing um, and the words that came up uh, from that was uh, connected empathy and loving concern. And that is where the treating ourselves, treating yourself as a beloved sacred friend. And so how have you found in your lives now that, that we've started having this conversation, how do you shift into self-kindness from being like this neat intellectual conversation into being a practice that you know that really shows up when you need it most when the kids are screeching when the wife is asking us to do you know what we think in our mind is like the you know the the 100 thing you know or you know we hear our parents or you know how are you guys finding that you're making that shift i want to go back just a little bit um and then i think i'll answer your question but to this idea of empathy um, connected empathy. Is that what you, you referred to it as? And like this idea that empathy for yourself, how can you be empathetic to yourself? You know, like the idea of empathy and self-kindness in some ways are like two different ideas for me. Yet, I think it is exactly that you described is that kid sitting next to another kid. It's you sitting next to yourself with an empathetic mindset. Yeah. And I think, how does it show up in the moment? It's, it's literally that moment where you're feeling it and you have to be able to kind of look at it, see what it is and be empathetic to it. Like, or like have that compassion. I don't know if empathetic is the right word yet, but that, that connected empathy where you're like, okay, I see where you are. I see where I am. I'm just going to say that. I see where I am. I see where this is. And that's not very easy. And this is hard and or whatever it is right and being able to give yourself that compassion so that in that moment you can meet the demand of the moment you can respond in a way that's like at least not full of either anger or self like 
like just where you start beating yourself up, that self-loathing or that self-destructive um, narrative that goes through my my mind so often of like, yes, you're right, I am that that I wish I wasn't, or I am that that I fear I am, you know, whatever that is. So I think it's that empathy, but it's that twist in your the way you've described it. It's being empathetic toward your own situation. Um, I don't know. Like that, that to me is an idea that just kind of came into my head when I, when I see my actions. Well, how, how are you, how are you seeing it be enacted in your life? Like maybe you're not, you haven't been calling it connected empathy, but. um... Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think I could describe it like after teaching, I'll just say it. Like I know one thing I struggle with as an educator and someone who trains educators is, it's just a highly critical lens on teaching as well as just really feeling the importance and the purpose of teaching, you know, and like how to do it well and how important it is and all this. And so when you don't do it well, that can be really hard for me when I really don't feel like I executed or when I get feedback that I might take a little too personally. It's like there, there is when I, it shows up and it's like, oh, that's hard. If I was, if I saw like say Kenny over there getting difficult feedback, I would be empathetic to him and I would come alongside Kenny. I'd say, Kenny, that that's hard. Like that, it just doesn't feel good. You know, like, and I'd sit with him and maybe I wouldn't even say a thing and I'd just listen. And I think that same act, I would hope that like that same act comes out in my teaching a week ago where it's like, oh, that was hard and it didn't go as I hoped. And I know there's some people that are maybe a little disappointed in that experience, you know, like having the graduate students that I do. And so, but just to come alongside that with that empathy or that, that compassion, I think that's how it shows up. And that's, that allows me to move forward with a creative mindset, with an optimistic mindset, and one that doesn't just wrestle with it and waste a ton of energy processing my own struggle, you know? So, uh, um, that's kind of the, ed- my educator lens on it. Right. Yeah. And I, I share, I share some of those experiences as a, t- as a teacher and I'll just, it, it applies to that, but I'll, I'll bring up another example. You mentioned getting angry, which is something that I really felt like in my memory didn't really happen to me before I was married and had kids. And then all of a sudden, these moments where I just feel like physically full of rage, mm. you know, at the people I love the most. And you're like, what is like, yeah, what, where did what, that come mm-hmm. from? And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and as I, I was super ashamed of it when it started to happen, I didn't understand it. I couldn't, I mean, I couldn't wrap my head around it and began talking to other, other fathers and realized that this is a really common experience. Anyways, what, what connects it to what you were talking about there, Aaron, is that, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, guys, is how um, you have an emotion like anger and that's hard having, being angry, that sucks. But then on top of it and almost simultaneously, you have shame for being angry mm-hmm. and, yeah. and the shame is what lasts. The anger tends to dissipate and then the shame comes in and then you have all these other things layering on top of it this like self-righteousness no actually i was right to be angry and then this whole like internal conversation goes on and you just spin yourself into a real into a real mess and i think it's it's all those secondary emotions i think is what you called the marion in that conversation is um those are the ones that cause the most suffering 
and that are totally unnecessary and, and, and are not productive. It's mm. natural to be angry or afraid or whatever in all sorts of situations. Um, and that is, that's just a natural response. And it's the manufactured response, the shame or those other secondary emotions that end up making us much less productive um, and effective as men. And that's what we want to be for ourselves and for our families. And so um, I think that's where, again, if, if you can do it, where self-kindness comes in. Yeah. Yeah. And it, like that for me gets to the crux of, you know, that how do you have a self-kindness practice that shows up like an airbag when you're just like, all of a sudden you're like, you're flying out of control down the, you know, the, the street of, of shame and blame. <laughs> and I, I think, you know, as we have been able to be in conversation with each other, when we do, first of all, you know, just recognizing it, it's like, there's, there's a couple steps. One is just noticing and noticing again, like you, you brought up Aaron. So uh, eloquently that idea of like, well, who am I being empath empathy implies kind of two, right? Like someone being empathetic to another person, we start to witness, oh my gosh, when I get still, it's as if there's the awareness and then the the unfolding of of my narrative in that minute it's like we first we notice it and then it's 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 the self-kindness practice that i that, you know adhere to so much of self-inquiry and specifically the work of byron katie it's like can i collect maybe i can't do it in that moment but can i collect what i'm thinking and believing in that moment and then how that serves me is going back to what you were talking about, Kenny, is like, I start to get information after I have, you know, found the thought that was going through my head, I get information about why I'm going down that track so intensely. And that, that all for me comes out of, of that self inquiry. It's like, I get to notice when I ask those four questions of Byron Katie's The Work, I get to see, like, how do I react with that thought? And I get to witness, that's where my anger is coming from. That's where, you know, all of this stuff just, it, it just turns into this explosiveness. And I feel like the reason why I want to have this conversation is I, I feel like I'm four decades on this planet and I'm like, how come nobody told me this? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> You know, you know, you know yeah. Pete, like, Pete, how come no one told me like this information is actually like it's not here to hurt me. It's here to wake me up to how I can live with that open heart, how I can be, you know, that person I want to be in the world. Yeah. I, I, like what's fascinating to me about this whole thing right now is like even right now you're saying this and you're like, OK, well, we'll step back. We'll ask the questions like. Uh, of the work. We'll, we'll ask, is it true? You know, we'll ask. And I get it. What's fascinating to me is I can know that intellectually. I can even know the four questions intellectually, like in my head, like even when I'm in the midst of this anger or I'm in the midst of this thought and I can see that thought. But what's really exciting to me is like what really is in the power of this is the practice of going through the questions because I actually have to train my brain. It can't just be like a frontal lobe thought. 
Like we actually have to mm. go in and say, all right, let's ask that question. Let's sit with it a second because we've done yeah. this enough like with the work. You know, let's do a worksheet on it. I know it's coming, but what I feel like at the beginning of that worksheet, when we sit down, you know, when we sit yeah. down at the front end of that worksheet, I am I'm in here. And I know the questions are coming intellectually in the front of like, you know, like they're they're in the, my frontal lobe. I know them, I can list them off, but it's the experience of going through those questions mm. and coming out the other yeah. side yeah. that my brain is different. And that to me is self-kindness. I just gave myself a gift or I'd even say your facilitation of that at different times have been a gift. Like that's that's the self-kindness. It's like taking the time to change from an intellectual thought around mindfulness or a, a, an actual thought around practicing self-kindness to actually doing self-kindness and moving through the process yeah, where yeah. I'll come out at the end, Pete, I'll come out at the end of those and I will think differently. Like my brain is different. And to me, that is something I never knew. You, like, 40, 40 yeah, years so into this, much here there. I am. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I, I, oh, I love that you, you, you know, you, you shared uh, that way. And, you know, in, in just a moment, I, I want to actually get into and share what those four questions are that you're talking about, Aaron, um, in, in that process. But I, I think you're, you're right on. I mean, that's, that is 100% what, we're doing when we, you know, again, so self-kindness, when you first hear it, you're like, oh, it's, it's this nice little bar of chocolate or whatever. And then you go, well, maybe it's a little bit more than just a, a reward. And, oh, it's, it's this idea of, of, you know, loving concern for myself, treating myself. Oh, that's really nice too. But it's even more than that. It's, moving into a somatic experience it's literally when i feel like i'm sitting in uh self-inquiry practice i'm literally reworking my brain so the synapses that have been firing consistently over and over again kenny like you brought up the ones that first make me angry and then anger like the synapse that is firing for anger connects right to the shame one and boom they start firing together and they're off and running but when I sit in that inquiry, all of a sudden I'm creating a new possibility. And my experience, I don't know what you guys have experienced, but I, every time I do this, and especially since we've sat together, I get new insights and I'm getting new information. And it's like the next time that that negative self-talk shows up, it doesn't fire as hard and as quick. And it gives me a little bit of peace in my life at one time a little bit of peace i would have given anything for that hmm. um and here yep. i am here i am uh, <laughs> a, a recovering uh negative self uh addict i guess <laughs> self talk addict yeah pete i think it, if you're moving into the to to talking about the work can i just uh say i think um what the work offers the, the process that we've gone through together uh, is an objective viewpoint. Mm -hmm. And that is something in studying philosophy, which is a very, you know, uh, 
intellectual process in, in college and, and continues to be, you know, and then in working in churches and, and, and exploring religion and faith, there's, you know, there's this balance of your, of your experience, your emotions, your, um, your spirit and, and also your intellect um, and how they all kind of wrap together. But I, I, I just have always wanted, I want to have an objective viewpoint, to be able to look at my situation if I get critical feedback from my class or from my wife or something, and I'm emotional about it, but I'm just dying to be able to step back and have a have a objective viewpoint of that. And I've, I've found up to this point in my life that I haven't been able to get that. Mm-hmm. I haven't been able to get that. And, yeah. um, and the work offers that. And it offers it from a place of self-kindness. It enables self-kindness because, um, and this is a connection I was just making from what y'all were saying a few minutes ago, just that, um, you know, a friend that does have compassion for you and is there with you and listens and uh, um, understands you and and treasures you um, is often also the person, I bet we've all had this person in our lives who who is our nonstop advocate and who has also told us once or twice a hard truth that we needed to hear at that moment that has transformed us. Right. Mm, mm. And, um, and that, th- that type of feedback usually comes from that type of person in your life. And so who, who treasures you more, who is closer to you, knows you better than you. So if you can, if you can have that objective viewpoint, if you can find a way to, to achieve that, then you're able to offer yourself that critical piece of advice from a place of love in the critical moment when you need it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, love that, Kenny. Love that. So let's, let's just walk through that real quick. Um, you know, some, some folks who listen know what we're talking about and some don't. And self-inquiry has been, you know, just part of a lot of practices for people to reflect and maybe try to step into that objective lens. We've been mentioning the work of Byron Katie is, a, in my experience, it's a pretty user-friendly way to inquire. So it means finding a thought that carries with it some rub. It's kind of like y- your version of the mental skinned knee on the playground. Uh, we find that thought and then we walk it through four questions and the four questions are, is it true? Can I absolutely know it's true? Uh, how do I react? What happens with the thought? Who would I be without the thought? And then there's a the last part, which is called the turnaround. And I think Kenny, what I really hear you saying and, and Aaron, you, you brought it up too. You know, when we move through that, you know, first of all, the, is it true? Can I absolutely know it's true? It's true. Well, that just gives us a pause. Like that's the first interrupter, if you will, in those firing synapses. Like I'm right there wrong, but do, do, do. like, so is it true? Can I absolutely know? Gives us like just a quick pause where maybe we didn't have a pause before. And the other thing that it does for me, and maybe you guys have a reflection on this, but it actually invites me to listen to me like it opens me up to welcoming that mind to the table whereas what I notice a lot of time when when my negative self-talk would come in I didn't welcome that to the table and a self-kindness practice for me is large enough to welcome even the negative self-talk so if I'm asking myself is it true 
I start listening to myself in a different way than maybe I had uh, prior to that. I don't. Is that an experience that you guys have when you hear those questions? Is it true? Can you absolutely know it's true? Yeah, I found I, I said no at the beginning of doing the work. I found I, well, it might also be all the things that I brought up, all the thoughts were these thoughts that felt, I felt like I was right, but they brought me a lot of suffering. And mm. when I would then approach them, I pretty much 100% of the time, the thoughts that I chose were ones that when I asked myself, is it true? My answer was no. In other words, I was beating myself up for having the thought before I even examined it. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. and then now as we move further along, I didn't even realize this till right now. So maybe I am becoming more kind to myself. I didn't know if I had been progressing at all, <laughs> but I would say, yeah, I more often I'm willing to say, yes, this thought that's hard mm -hmm. or negative, it, it is true for me in that moment or, that moment, um, yeah. yeah, or maybe it's even, I can absolutely know that it's true and still I'm willing to investigate it. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, so that then brings us to those first two questions. And then the third question is, how do you react? What happens? And so, you know, some people, when they think of self-inquiry and they go, well, why do I want to look at a thought that is stressful? So, you know, maybe it's a thought like they think I'm not good enough or he thinks I'm not good enough. She thinks I'm not good enough. Why do you want to go back and revisit that? And you know, again, maybe you guys could talk to this, but what I notice when I go back and I revisit, I get to be informed, I get to witness, and maybe this is my science background of like just interested in watching things unfold like an, like an experiment. I get to witness like what happens to me in that moment when I think, you know, yeah. someone thinks I'm not good enough. And I go, wow, look at that. It's like, yeah. I get upset. I stop talking to the person. I start feeling small. And oh my gosh, I see this connection to when I had a teacher in fourth grade who I thought didn't think I was good enough. And all this stuff like comes up when I just take a look at how I react with a thought. If nothing else, it's like I get to start to, again, self-kindness. I get to start meeting me. I get to start sitting next to that skinned me version of me to just be present, be witness with that. Pete, you said, like, it's the science person in you, you know, like this is about the science piece. And uh, I do think that's something interesting because it does give you data right? It just gives you data over and over and over again about how you respond to things. And by building that self-awareness, you see it happening before it gets carried away. It's like, I hear, yeah, like I see it, I see it. And like, it gives predictive power almost. Like you've said, I've been here before. I know where this is going and I need to pause and look at my thought. I need to evaluate my thought. Like Kenny said before, it takes control of me because is it possible it's true? Yeah. Do we know it's true? Well, no. Let's not give it that much power, right? Um, I don't know. I, that, that, that idea of a scientific mindset really kind of struck me. Yeah, it's like we're an investigator just watching it. And, like, that is objective. It's like, you know... It, that came up this week in the, the three-day self-kindness challenge is somebody said, you know, I 
when I'm kind to me, like I take outside feedback less personally. It's like somebody could say I'm not good at something and now it's not personal. Now it's actually like, oh, you know, they could be right. Let me find out. There's more of a curiosity rather than like, oh, they don't think I'm good enough and da, 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 and on and on. And that comes up when we sit in the how do we react? Like we get to witness that, oh my gosh, I'm going to this person for my own self-approval. And you also get to witness that by doing this process, how often we go outside of ourselves for our own self-worth, for our own self-approval. And you get to start to witness how futile that really is how futile it is and then also how much more available you are to actually provide something of value to them um, if it's not about you being getting approved of if it's actually about what they need well then you're you know you're doing a lot more good in the world mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah, yeah it's almost I, um, like you get caught up in that feedback cycle right so if you if you're receiving feedback and it becomes and it's an indicator that you're not like it hits you. You take it personally. You can't respond in a way that makes it a conversation and therefore things just kind of shut down. And so you're not, you're not able to give back. You're not able to make things reciprocal. You just shut down. And uh, mm-hmm. I think that's uh, I don't know if that's where you're going, Kenny, but like that, that idea of like being able to absorb feedback, understand a situation and be able to be, make yourself available whatever else is needed outside of you right 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 right. yeah i mean i think you're hitting on pete that that idea that you you uh phrased so well i don't i I don't remember the exact words you said but something like difficult thoughts are are gifts um Mm. that, that that help us to know ourselves better and to be better people and um yeah again you you phrase it more artfully but but basically that's the situation that that you're talking about where somebody gives you feedback. Well, if you're striving to do this thing, to be in a business or, or, uh, some other, you know, you're doing something that you're hoping to, that will be good for people when you're finding out that it's not, and you take that personally, well, then it just beats you up. But if you, if you just listen to it and think, oh, well, either I can get better at this or I can choose to go a different way, then that's, again, it's allowing you to, to, do a better job in the world, spend your time better, be more productive, mm-hmm. uh, offer more value in those areas where you are good at it. You know, it's, it just seems it, like really, it's very helpful. <laughs> yeah. And, and I noticed that like, why do I want to be better in the world? Like, because I feel better being of greater service. Right. So it like, that's why it comes bit you know, We'll have to do this at another episode, but we right. can talk There's about like, the, there. <laughs> the difference of like selfishness versus self-kindness. But what, you know, in self-kindness, it seems like self-kind to me ends up creating a me that that is is more generous. Like, it, again, mm-hmm. I, I, I just always see like it comes from the place that I feel like in my heart of hearts is how I want to live, which is I want to live kind. I want to live. Uh, focused. I want to live um, generous. I want to. I want to do good in the world. I want to be someone who can be a leader in helping create and solve problems that that serve that serve humanity. Right. But I also noticed that why do I want to do all that? 
well, then I get to live on a more beautiful planet. So it's like, it's just wonderful. It's all tied up. And I get to witness all of that in this inquiry, because that then leads us into the next question of the inquiry, which is, who am I in that same situation? If somebody thinks I'm not good enough in something, okay, who am I in that same situation, but now without the thought, which is question number four. Who am I without the thought? And I think it points to what you guys are talking to. It's like, I'm available for the feedback. You know, bring it even closer home. Like this is maybe it's your spouse or your partner. And they think, you know, you're, you're, you're feeling like they're thinking I'm not good enough. Well, without the thought, it's like, wow, I get to actually meet my partner in this moment. I get to just hear their words. Like in, you know, not in a fake way, but like just really, one of you said this at the very beginning, like self-kindness just allows us to be more present. Hmm. Yeah. If, if your partner's giving you uh, difficult feedback, if you are coming from a place of self-kindness, then you can say, wow, that's got to be tough to live with a person who's making you feel that way. Mm. you know and you can actually have that you can then go to the place of i need to change my behavior you know and that's probably good but but you don't jump to it you can first have compassion and then say well how can i what can i do to help how can i change you know um and that can be a really productive and positive feeling instead of a shameful one Mm. Mm. yeah and then that last part of the self-inquiry is to turn around so this is also the place where it gives us new new ground, new information, new data. Is there something else possible here? And I love that because it opens my mind in a way, you know, Aaron, like you said, like you can know these questions, you can know that meditation is good for you or self-inquiry is good for you, but until you sit in the place of doing it, until it shows up in the moment, like it's it's not a value, you know? So yeah, so I think it brings us all the way back to self-kindness as a moment-by-moment daily practice. Let's just explore that for a moment or two as we are wrapping up. Why self-kindness for you guys right now, this moment in your life, and maybe even this moment for the world? Like why and how could self-kindness be a vital practice? Imagine a world of people that treated themselves as the beloved. Well, I I go right back to Kenny's scenario there with, like I think about my wife giving me some really difficult feedback, right? And Kenny's point is we can respond in that way in a couple of different ways. We can go internal hang into hang on a thought that I am not worthy or I whatever that is or get defensive and react or we can move toward compassion and I think self-kindness is allowing ourselves I don't think it's an either or almost it's like I think like that thought for me is going to come like I'm being attacked or like I'm getting this feedback but I am right but it's noticing it and being able to adapt and go through a process quicker and more with more agility to respond to my wife with the compassion Kenny's talking about, but it's 
but I have to do that. I have to practice it. I have to make that, make those steps. I have to build that capacity in myself. And so I just wanted to come back because it's not like all of a sudden I'm just going to be compassionate to my wife when I get this hard feedback. It's like, no, okay, now I got to sit with it. I got to move through it. I got to go through the work of four questions. And then I'm going to come out on the other end and I will be compassionate. And it becomes easier and easier and easier. And then that manifests itself in so many different situations um, mm-hmm. to my students, to my kids, to my five-year-old, right? My five-year-old has so much power over me because he controls my emotions, right? I mean, he, I mean, he can make or break my day. And and um, so I think self-kindness today for me is about being that, going back to that idea of self-kindness as I define it, of doing what it takes to be my best self for the, those around me, you know? Mm. And, um, and I think it just takes that work. It takes the practice to become what you're, what Kenny's describing. It's like showing up with compassion and saying, wow, that must be tough and moving forward. So. Yeah. 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 I think, wait, I'm, I'm just mulling over your description of, of what you get from this process as being data that you can use. And I think what, what I find when when I ask that question, who am I with this thought? Um, very often the answers are the same. <laughs> so you mean with the thought or without the thought? No, no. Well, yeah, actually both. But I was I'm talking about with the thought, and, and no so, matter what the um, thought is, they're, they're yeah, always like, the same. It's awesome. totally true. All sorts of challenges, various. Well, I would totally put in different categories, different challenges in my life from different people. Um, and, and they all bring out the same terrible version of me. And, and it makes me realize that um, how I respond to all of these challenges in my life has a lot more to do with who I am than what the challenges are. Um, and yeah, yeah. yeah. And so um, it, it, yes. it brings up for me, you know, I, I actually at one time had this was a really transformative moment in a, um, a, a marriage counseling session in which I'm complaining about this or that, um, that my wife is pushing my buttons. And the counselor was like, yeah, 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 you're absolutely right. She is pushing your buttons. And you know what? They're your buttons. So you need to get to know your buttons. Um, because if you know what they are, she can push them all she wants, but they're still yours. And like, you got to own that. And um, anyway, so here I am thinking about how this process that we're going through, the inquiry process, is helping me to identify my buttons. And, and uh, you have to do it one at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it's not like you have this revelation. You listen to a great podcast or you t- hang out with Pete and you like realize, oh, there's this possibility of living in this place of kindness and peace. Um, it doesn't just then like you don't just snap your fingers and all of a sudden now yeah, that's the way you think. I think certainly you have to practice it and you guys have been speaking to that. But the other thing that is the way that it shows up for me is really in very specific ways. It relates to my specific buttons. Okay. If I have a specific button about fearing that I am not enough in some specific way, and we talk about that and it is fresh in my mind because we talked about it Saturday and I guarantee you that's coming up on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, but you know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, those are the moments when it shows up because I, it's fresh in my mind. I'm aware of that button and all of a sudden I can see it for what it is. 
Um, but I think that, you know, Pete, when you talk about what would it mean for the world, what would it mean for the world if we were all aware that the way we're responding to the world is about who we are and not about what the world brings us um, and become aware of who are we and who do we want to be and, and how can we make changes in that to respond better? Guys, I could have this conversation with you for another two or three hours, and I hope that we do, but we'll sign off there. But with that, you know, it it makes me think, is there a way, Kenny or Aaron, any any place where you show up in the world where people can can connect with you somehow? Do, do you want to share? Uh, I don't know if it's a, where can yeah, people not, find you as we're signing out here? I'm not on social media, but I... Um... I do have a, a YouTube page and I've posted some videos in particular related to all these things that are coming up during the uh, quarantine time that we are in. So if you're interested in hearing some songs and some thoughts about that, you can look up Kenny Haddon on YouTube. And that's H-A-D-D-E-N. Yep. Kenny Haddon on YouTube. Awesome. Thanks, Kenny. And Aaron? Oh, I don't know. I work at... Uh, a wonderful nonprofit called Teton Science Schools. So you can just give that a call and I'm sure they'll be able to, to find me. Yeah. Oh, well, you guys are treasures in my life. I, I am so grateful that you're part of my journey and thanks for taking time for being here today. Likewise, Pete. Thank you. Thank you, Pete. Hmm. So much in that conversation. I'm so grateful for those two brave men to share so openly I hope that there was something in there that that worked for you. I know that I'll be walking away with that idea that Aaron talks about of doing what it takes to be my best self for those around me. And in my life, it's my belief that doing my inner work, showing up courageously and taking care of my responsibility to ask how how am I attending to what's inside of me so I can be clear and and focused going out around me? And noticing when that self-talk, uh, like Kenny said, when that self-talk can turn negative. So especially in this moment, to those of you, of my listeners, my white listeners, you know, notice how that self-talk can can start to shut you down from being open to a conversation to be to be a listener to be attentive to where do we want to take that in and 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 just use it as a way to shame and blame and i'm not saying that we don't need to do that that hard work i feel that having self-kindness walking hand in hand with that hard work makes a conversation like the conversation that Kenny, Aaron, and I had available as, as, um, as a template to talk as whites amongst each other and to say, hey, this is what I believe, you know, how I've contributed to racism and being courageous to start that conversation. So I invite you to to that courageous practice. And the way that I'm doing that in the world, I'm sharing different programs. I had a six-week program that I was about to launch, but I, just, I feel like in this moment in time that 
I can serve in other ways. So one way that I'm serving is by having one-on-one conversations with people and by doing a coaching program that I have in self-kindness. And I also am going to continue to uh, do self-kindness challenges, either a couple-day challenges or workshops. I'm creating a workshop with um, an organization here locally all around self-kindness to to take care and attend to this space inside of us during a time where it just feels like so much is unraveling. So a self-kindness practice looks at the unraveling as a gift, as generosity, as a place to step into and be the kindness rather than intellectualize what it's like to be self-kind, but to actualize it. So I invite you to actualize self-kindness so you can be a steward in the world in this moment, in this very important moment. Don't miss your opportunity. I love you. Thank you for listening. If this supported you in any way, please share it with a friend and go ahead and send me a comment. I would love to hear from you. I'm Pete Sibley, and I'm inviting you to self-kindness. And I'll leave you with this song. Until next week. There's nothing left to say